Welcome to Sustainably Speaking Beyond the Aula. I'm your host, Malik. And I'm your co-host, Ines. And joining us today for the final episode of this mini-series are two very special guests, Justine and Ari from EMP29. Alongside other students, they'll be taking the reins as hosts for the podcast next fall. Today's episode will be a conversational roundtable where we'll be exploring our personal journeys towards sustainability and highlighting the differences between the MESPOM and EMP programs offered by the Institute. We will also take a closer look at life in Lund, share our favorite courses, unforgettable moments, and the vibrant community that surrounds us. So, without further ado, let's dive right into the episode and get to know the students at the IIIEE. Hi, Ines and Malik. Thank you for having us. I am Justine Auvrignon, and I'm from France. And before going to the EMP program, I was studying business in a French business school. Uh, so I did a bachelor in business administration, and I had the chance to move abroad, study abroad, uh, do internships. So it was a very interesting program. But then I think, as most people of my generation, at some point I realized uh, climate and environmental issues that were happening in the world were getting too big, and I wanted to get more involved into that. So I started looking for more climate-friendly possibilities or jobs or studies. Um, I ended up working in Too Good To Go uh, for a year, which was really the highlight of my studies, I would say, because this is what really got me into uh, sustainability. And this is how I ended up finding the program. And uh, and I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I also wanted to say thank you for for having us. It's uh, it's an exciting opportunity and I'm uh, just excited about this this podcast in general. So uh, to introduce myself, I'm Ari Renee Derning. Um, I'm from the US and I got interested in sustainability in high school in an elective class that was focused on environmental science. And pretty soon after that, I knew I was interested in uh, pursuing a career in sustainability. And I studied environmental science and politics for my bachelor's degree. And that was quite a long time ago, actually. I graduated in 2015, and then I worked for Tesla for a few years, and then a solar company in the in the U.S. as well. Uh, and was for a long time, I've known about this program and, and wanted to do it, but I put it off because of COVID. And I'm super happy to finally finally be here. Wow, such honorable guests. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Indeed. And perhaps for those that want to get a clearer idea on EMP, what is EMP at a glance? So as the name suggests, the EMP program combines both management and policy approaches um, to addressing environmental problems. The management program really comes first and uh, it gets a little bit more class time, especially in the first year. Um, but then the uh, program pivots in the second half of the uh, second semester um, to do a, a hard focus on, uh, on the policy side. And this then transitions into more of a focus on the, on the thesis. Um, which uh, students get to choose from a variety of research themes that align with the research going on at the at the institute. Um, so those are business management and practice, consumption governance, urban transformation, and policy interventions. Maybe we should also give a little bit of uh, background on the institute overall. Would that be helpful, do you think? Yeah, sure. Um, so the institute uh, was created uh, around 30 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the mission is to advance knowledge on how to catalyze the transition to low carbon and resource efficient economy. Uh, the IIIEE, as we call it, uh, produces and share actionable knowledge for sound decision making at all levels, from the local to the global and educates future leaders and change agents. The last part regarding educating future leaders is where the EMP program fits and it forms the core of the IIIEE's educational activities. 
So basically the institute is here to give us all the tools as future decision makers and leaders. Uh, and also maybe one thing that I could add up on what Ari mentioned um, is that this program is also to make sure that we're all on the same level of knowledge. Uh, and this is why at the beginning we have a lot of classes that are more scientifically oriented to get better understanding of climate change. Also some engineering kind of classes, uh, low introduction to low, introduction to, to business, so, so that everyone from all their different backgrounds can be on the same level of knowledge. From the way how you guys talk about it, it's like a common characteristics of Triple uh, IWE. You're very proud about where we are at the moment and being proud about this institute and what kind of actionable knowledge they are producing. But to dive deeper into the program itself, what were some of your favorite courses of the first year? I think I would say the two of my favorite courses. The first one was uh, called ESA, so Environmental Science and Anthropocene. So it basically uh, is all the biology classes that I was doing in middle school that I forgot about. But it was very interesting because we dig into scientific topics to get knowledge on uh, carbon cycles, water cycles, uh, what climate change implies, what like what are the effects that it's, that it's causing. Also, uh, we talked about the planetary boundaries. So it was very enlightening in the sense that I felt like I knew about climate change, but then in the end, I didn't know the roots of it and I did it understood as I should have been understand it. And also the second course that I liked the most was environmental law and policy in practice. I think it was really my favorite class so far because this is exactly what I was looking for when I applied to this master. And it was super interesting in a sense that we got basic knowledge on policy and law, environmental policies and law, on what happened and how it happens at the national, uh, international, regional, local level, uh, how we can read a regulation or a directive and what is the difference of a regulation of a directive uh, and how it applies then and what impact it can have. So I think that was really my highlights of that first year. Yeah, I would echo that, that I, those were those were really great classes, but it's very hard to choose because uh, all of the classes are, are really great. I might highlight two additional ones. Um, those would be um, in the fall, uh, the second class we took is called Fundamentals of Technical Systems. Mm -hmm. And it's like engineering for non-engineers um, or maybe engineering <laughs> without the math. Um, <laughs> so uh, we study how industrial systems specifically uh, function um, from a theoretical perspective, at least. Um, and in order to be uh, more knowledgeable for applying both management and, and policy approaches to solving environmental problems. And uh, it was, it was uh, maybe not everyone's favorite class in, like when we're in the middle of it, um, but uh, everyone really appreciated mm. the, uh, the lessons that we got from it and, and took away uh, quite a lot. And then the other one would be, and it's embarrassing because I'm forgetting the actual name of the class, <laughs> but uh, it focused on life cycle assessment. And that's something I had absolutely no background knowledge on. Mm. And it's super, a super fundamental and an important tool um, that we'll be using in almost everyone's career, mm. I think, uh, after, the, after the Institute. So I, I thought it was extremely valuable. They do sound very insightful and yeah. interesting. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about MESPOM because we're, we're always talking about the INSTI, but the IIIE is actually only one part of your broader program. So... Maybe we can start with an overview of the MESPOM program. What is it? And what can you tell us about the first year of the program before you joined us in Lund? Well, let's start by deconstructing the name MESPOM, Master in Environmental Sciences, Policy and Management. Implicitly, each one of the three locations that we've been in focuses on one of the parameters in the name. In Vienna, we focused on policy. 
In Lesbos, Greece, we focused on sciences, and in Lund, we focused on management. There were quite a few differences in teaching styles and our environment, going from a global capital to an island in the Mediterranean, definitely influenced our learning experiences in a positive way. Uh, very interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Ines. I also am a bit curious about what would you say the key differences are between your experience in MassBOM and what we described for the EMP program. I think the scientific aspect constitutes a significant portion, about one third of the program. And it's really fascinating because it allows us to connect various elements in science policy and business cases. However, it is also challenging because it really requires balancing a broad understanding with the need to dive deeper into specific cases while also maintaining a holistic perspective. And of course, um, moving frequently and having to reintroduce oneself every six months is not easy. Additionally, you'll miss the feeling of having your own room, <laughs> having the, your own decorations, um, yeah, making sure that your room is like, is like home and like you are having your own habits, etc. But along the way, also, we met many incredible people whom we wish we could spend more time with. Of course, also the EMP program, both batches, 28 and 29. Um, and also, like at the curricular level, of course, MESPOM has implemented benchmark courses such as the sustainable energy transitions. But personally, I would have loved to have the opportunity to experience the EMP legacy courses as well, like the environmental policy analysis and the consulting course. Um, and I think this is really um, a very crucial part of your program, guys. Thank you, Malik. That's an interesting um, answer. Uh, and jumping on that, what kind of challenges would you say you have been facing as part of the MESPAN program? It sounds both exciting and exhausting to move around so much. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, as Malik mentioned, moving at least, emphasis on at least three times in the course of two years can be very uprooting. And of course, the fact that you share these challenges with a close-knit cohort can bring you very close. One thing that is interesting is that every time that we land in a new place, be it Vienna in the first time, Greece or Lund, our routines, living situation, teachers and friends outside of Mesbom are reshuffled. And this can be challenging, but it also provides you with continuous opportunities to reinvent yourself. Each time you move to a new country, you can have a different lifestyle, partake in different sports, eat different foods, hear different languages around you. And I think this this really builds us as people and students and is core in the MESPOM program. Mm -hmm. Now going back to Lund and the INSTI, we'd love to know what have been some of your favorite parts about living in Lund and what the student experience has been like in this town. Hmm, that's a good question. I think what I really liked about Lund was the fact that it's a small town, so everything is doable, biking or walking, even when it's snowing. I mean, it gets even even more beautiful. Um, yeah, I really like the fact that it's that old, um, cute little town in Sweden that we're kind of close to Malmö and to Copenhagen if we want to, if we miss the big city, because as a Parisian, sometimes I kind of miss the big city. Um, and also it's a very active city. I mean, you always have events happening from students association, from um, what we call nations, which are kind of also students associations, but differently. Um, so you always have, I don't know, debates or like conferences or like always things are happening. And what I really love also about Sweden is that they always have a good reason to celebrate or uh, put on a costume or go to a sitting, which is kind of a dressed up um, event. Um, so, yeah, I would say those are my favorite parts about Lund. 
I don't know that I can add that much. Uh, yeah, you covered a lot of great, a lot of great points. Sorry. Uh, Lynn, Lynn does combine both the best aspects, I think, of a small town in that it can be very quiet and relaxed, but then also there's a lot of social activity and, mm-hmm. and so much going on all the time. Um, there's always more than you can, than you can actually, you know, th- that you actually have time for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, access to um, Copenhagen and MoMA. Um, and... Uh, it's quite different. I've spent some time in, in Sweden, mostly in the Stockholm area and, and farther north, and it's quite different from uh, other parts of Sweden. So I think that that actually surprised me a fair bit um, mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, Skåne is its own little own little island. And also the winter can be quite difficult, like difficult, like cold and difficult to actually go out and do I- outdoor activities. But there are still plenty of things you can do inside, obviously. But as the good days are coming, it's I feel like it's better. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh, the transformation of April and May yes. is on another level. Yes. Yeah. The whole city <laughs> is blooming. Yeah. yeah, spring has never hit that hard before. Yeah. <laughs> Given that you have this outside perspective from multiple other universities, what has your experience been like at the IIIEE? It is exciting and can be also challenging, I must say. It's not only the academic institutions, but also like the type of urbanisms that surrounds us. For example, in CU Vienna, It's a private university where the institution focuses more on the needs of the student. Um, In the Aegean, it is a public university and the professors are friendly, but also willing to go that extra mile for your learning. Um, And of course, you have this kind of Greek island syndrome um, and it's just very present. Uh, In Lund, it's just different. It's a prestigious big public university with big name that has pioneered and contributed to niche concepts now mainstreamed Uh, in our field, uh, such as EPR, sustainable business models, and urban transformation. Um, so all in all, it, like, it offers a unique style of learning, but also a different type of learning as well. Since we're about to graduate, we're feeling very reflective about the MESPOM program and how it has equipped us for the professional world. So we were wondering if your professional interests and ambitions have changed since joining EMP, and whether the program met your expectations more generally? Yeah, that's quite a tough question. I think that one way that my interests have changed most substantially as a result of the program is focus on the sustainability teams specifically within uh, specific companies um, and sustainability consulting. Um, Previously, those weren't uh, uh, sectors that I was particularly interested in working in, even though I was still interested in sustainability more broadly. Before, I was more focused, I think, on companies specifically that were uh, where their their product was a sustainable solution, but their um, specific business practices maybe didn't fit um, within traditional um, corporate corporate responsibility or sustainability. And and the classic example of that would be would be Tesla. Um, So I think that's probably the the one area in which my my interests have shifted the most and which I've gained the most insight from the from the program. And as far as expectations, I, I certainly had some expectations. I, it's very hard to remember them now that uh, <laughs> it's been a been a year. And uh, you know, once you uh, w- once you live through something, it's hard to remember what you thought it was going to be like before. Um, but it's it has been quite different. Uh, I know that from what what I expected, uh, and I've learned a lot of things that I never that I never expected uh, to begin with, and that's been wonderful. Just. Uh, Yeah, ex- exposure to so many different topics that, that uh, I didn't even know were, were possible, really. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> as Ari said, I think it's a tough question. Uh, but just like everyone, every every time that someone asks you, what do you want to do with your life? It's just a tough one. But I think, yeah, it did change um, my personal interest and like professional interest and ambitions. Um, since each time we were having a new module, I was like, oh, I could work in that field. So like when we had a more business um, class, I was like, oh, I could do CSR. And then, oh, I could do LCAs. Oh, I could uh, uh, be working for the European Union or like for a government for policies and laws. And now I'm like, oh, I could also be a consultant in the end. Um, so now I'm I'm a bit confused, to be fair, but in a good way, because I realized um, we have... Um, a broad, I would say, set of options after the program. And I was honestly not hoping for that much. I thought I would just be going in like a public institution or something. Um, and now I'm like, okay, I can actually do a lot of things uh, and I can choose what I want to do, which maybe is even even more difficult, but I don't know. So yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy with that. And it also means that the program exceeded my expectations. Uh, I mean, I was hoping for a lot, but now I just realized um, that I've been learning so much through the program. Like also when you're in there doing the program, doing the modules, doing your readings and assignments, you're just, you have the head in there and you don't realize, but now I'm just like, oh, wow. I like taking a step back. I realize how much I have mm -hmm. actually been learning. And when I have discussion with my friends back home and I start going on on a topic and I'm like, oh, wow, like these are things that I've been learning in the program. And this is crazy because I was not expecting that I would be so knowledgeable on a lot of topics now. So, yeah. One thing I might, might add is that it was hard to see the big picture until we got close to the end of the second semester. Mm. We were so in depth in so many, like a thousand different topics. And we were racing through, uh, you know, content at, at light speed. Um, and in midway through the spring or late in the spring, all of a sudden I realized like, oh, this, <laughs> all these classes are in very intentionally designed um, to fit together and to mit Mm -hmm. um, and it, it makes so much sense like in, in retrospect now. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. Yeah. yeah, agreed. And like really speaking of, of the program itself and um, already the outcomes and already like the set of skills and the core concepts and theories that we are somehow receiving and now very eager to apply it. Um, you guys are having one of the, um, let's say, best semesters during the summer because like it's either you go into consulting or internship could you explain us like more the consulting and the internship part and what that you're doing at the moment a major focus for the insti is like practical solution-oriented work and um, as a result there's a, a number of opportunities that they offer that kind of bridge the gap between the academic world and I don't know what the <laughs> right word is, but not the real world. I don't like that. I don't like that <laughs> phrase, but um, the other world, I guess you, you could say. And so those, those include um, this first course uh, in the first year, which is, or it's two courses actually, either uh, an internship, which many do um, abroad outside of Sweden, or uh, a consultancy program, which was developed uh, by the Institute. That also includes a lot of study visits mm. and then a longer term consulting course, uh, in the fall, which everybody takes part in, along with opportunities to partner on um, uh, with companies or organizations for your thesis and and other opportunities, which I which I won't even mention, but that kind of gives some some context. So, the course that we're in right now is either the uh, internship option or uh, a consultancy project, um, and it takes place for the month of May. And I'm working with a company that makes plastic core materials that replace steel or other structural materials for applications like wind turbines or nice. boats. 
and they're trying to introduce product take back for their clients, which are often multiple tiers of suppliers to the end customer. Uh, and we're working with the sales team specifically on some strategies that they can pitch to customers to get more buy-in for this, this take back program. What about you, Justine? Like, what are you doing at the moment with the consultancy course? Um, so yeah, on my side, I'm working with a pretty big Swedish company that is producing rubber and polymers for a lot of applications, so aerospace, automotive, a lot of a lot of different sectors. And so what we are doing with them is that uh, we have to map the circularity of their production sites in order for them to reduce the waste as much as possible and also to know what they are doing with the waste. And what's very interesting is that two days ago we had a study visit with them. So we went to one of the factory and they showed us the processes. They showed us everything that was being waste. And that is so interesting because then you get to have a real picture. And it's just like it's not just you talking with people doing interviews on the phone without having any idea of what they're actually doing. So it was very, very interesting. And yeah, I like that project because you get to connect in what Ari doesn't like, the real world, but like the, the professional world. Um, and to see what's happening there, what kind of initiatives they're doing, uh, having real results and then trying to get the best out of this. So it's been only two weeks, two weeks and a half, but I still feel like I've been learning a lot about what it is to be a consultant somehow so what a great experience definitely mm -hmm. i mean we visited the i think the similar factory um in one of our courses mm -hmm. last semester and we were extremely impressed mm -hmm. and this leads me to the to the next question because you guys after your um, tremendous efforts in the consultancy course you will be having like a bit of a break in the summer a very well deserved one and then having the second legacy uh, year of uh, the EMP program. Mm -hmm. um, what are your expectations for the second year? Um, I would say I'm pretty excited for the consulting course, the other one that we will have in fall that Ari mentioned. I'm pretty excited to see how it's going to be because also we're going to be visiting those companies. We're going to be working like for a longer time with them. So it's going to be pretty interesting. So um, I don't know if I have expectations, but I'm excited for that though. Uh, and surprisingly, I'm excited for my thesis uh, <laughs> um, because I am like I already have so many topics in mind, and I I don't know. I'm just super excited to like go a bit deeper into that and see see what I can do. Yeah, I'm also super excited for for next year, especially with the perspective that we have from from the past year where we we raced through a thousand different topics, and now we're starting to focus more and more on. Uh, on you know the topics that are most in, most important to us and that culminates in the in the thesis also in addition to the consulting course we have a, another policy block um, mm. right when we get back in september um, that a lot of people have said is their their favorite <laughs> favorite course uh, or, or one of their favorites so there's a lot of things to look forward to but yeah i think the thesis is uh, you know that big scary thing everybody is worried about but there's also you know huge opportunities to really dive into a topic that you're really super passionate about so that's uh it's a great opportunity to yeah make the program mm -hmm. what you want yeah. it to be. That's the right way of seeing it, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like literally, if you're working on a topic that you are interested in, the thesis semester would be really a joy for you. Like you would be interested in many topics and you can actually contribute to many topics. So it's not like only interested, but you can actually execute something there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, of course, choosing the, the, the right topic and its connection and its interlinkages, it's, it was an interesting and quite a journey. And uh, I'm excited for you guys for next year to know like mm -hmm. what you're going to do. And um, I'm personally going to follow you super closely. <laughs> <laughs> On LinkedIn. <laughs> we have pressure now. <laughs> um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your thesis. I was hoping to link 
environmental policy, urban governance, and nature-based solutions from a biodiversity perspective in one topic. And um, what I'm doing at the moment, I'm analyzing almost 150 uh, policy instruments that was executed at local level in more than 25 European cities. And I was trying to um, understand what are the key trends between these instruments, like what are the common lessons learned or uh, good practice between all of these instruments. This is in collaboration with Ecologic Institute, where they launched their Urban Governance Atlas last week. And this data set that I worked on is in this atlas. And I would say that I was very much exposed to the topic before even uh, doing my thesis. And I really learned a lot in my mm-hmm. thesis semester. That sounds you, like Ines? so much work. Well, I'm, um, I'm trying to look at a global framework for a sustainable food system that Edeland, the Eat Lancet Commission developed in 2019 in a Mediterranean context. So I'm localizing indicators and uh, scientific targets for sustainable diets in Ikaria, which is an island in Greece. And I'm doing this by using recipes, traditional recipes, as my Mm -hmm. empirical data and comparing the proportions of ingredients in those recipes with the reference diet Mm -hmm. developed by the Eat Lancet Commission. It's very innovative. Yeah, (laughs) very interesting. (laughs) also means that you guys are almost done with your program and we're going to miss you obviously um but what tell us a bit more do you have any plans after graduation or do you not know yet or and maybe to add on to justine's question has mesbaum influenced your plans for the future are you staying with us in Lund? <laughs> can, <laughs> can i stay can i stay in Lund? <laughs> uh, so forever yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a billion dollar question at the moment <laughs> honestly but yeah like i mean the program whether MESPOM or EMP provided like us, like the cohorts, with very valuable skills and concepts and applied theories, I would say. And personally, for example, it has opened my eyes to the significance of the private sector and the language uh, we should adapt to integrate sustainability into their strategies, uh, operations and mindsets. So moving from sustainability as buzzword into sustainability as an action word. Before MESPOM, uh, was dedicated myself into the international organizations and to public sector. That's exactly what we need to work on. But yeah, it was really eye-opening. And at a glance, if you are a MESPOMer, if you are an emp the knowledge that you have, you can actually translate it to, to any sector or to any position. It just, you need really just the right moment for it. Yeah. Similarly, when I first got to MESPOM, I was very convinced that my professional future lied with food systems and multimedia communications. In Vienna, I even took a documentary class and many engaging food courses, and I'm writing my thesis relating to these topics. But still, the interdisciplinary character of MESPOM has showed me how broad our field is and the scope of the relevant stakeholders when it comes to making change. So now, after graduation, I plan to spend some time in environmental consultancy and learn about how things function in the private sector and how it's best to facilitate the adoptions of the policies we speak about in class there. In some of our previous interviews with EMP alumni, it was mentioned that it's all about the people and that the batch makes the experience. What is Batch 29 like and have they influenced your experience? Um, I think, yeah, it's all about the people and I might sound super cheesy, um, but honestly, I don't think that master would have been the same without those people. Uh, big shout out to everyone in this batch because we are all from very different backgrounds, from different countries. Some of us just graduated from the bachelor. Some of, some of us have been working for like 10 years uh, and now they're going back to study. So we have all very different backgrounds, very different personalities, but somehow we 
I mean, we're such a good, a cute group, I would say. And we're like, we're really strong. Uh, we really have like strong connection with each other. We are sometimes perceived as a cult because we spend so much time together. Uh, but we've been doing a lot of things together, especially during the winter when it was a bit difficult with days being shorter, uh, when it's, it was cold outside and the classes were getting intense. We've been doing a lot of things, uh, uh, like gathering on a Sunday afternoon to crochet and knit together, eating cake and, and fikas and everything. Uh, we've been traveling a bit together. We're doing a Europe trip um, by train uh, in three weeks <laughs> with some of us. So I think it was also very important to have all those people Uh, and also have their perspective, their point of views on different topics. So yeah, I think it is it is all about the people, and I think everyone that did EMP uh, or MESPOM can say the same thing. I could add to say that uh, one of the professors likes to characterize batches with different nicknames and uh, described ours as uh, the organized batch, uh, <laughs> which um, is opposed to, uh, as opposed to many other uh, varieties. But one thing that I think is uh, a little bit unique is that we have highly formalized events uh, with a lot of structure and mission, yes. vision, values, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and uh, sometimes it's too much for sure, but, but that's, that's one thing that's mm. slightly unique about about batch 29. Mm -hmm. We love to see it. We love <laughs> to see it. <laughs> and like the interactions in the kitchen are the best. We want to thank you so much for the invitation and for the discussion because it was very interesting. And uh, I think it was also your first podcast, so it was very nice, a really nice moment shared with you guys. We're really <laughs> excited for next year to take over the, the Sustainably Speaking podcast and do as good as you did. Mm. We right. hope. Yeah. <laughs> It's really awesome that you started this podcast. I think it's an excellent idea. And the first few episodes have been so lovely to listen to. And we're really excited to uh, take it on next year and keep it alive. Mm -hmm. Well, then this concludes the first mini-series of Sustainably Speaking Beyond the Ola. We can't wait for all the content that the following series will produce with Ari, Justine, and fellow students. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. <laughs>